Welcome to Biz Takeouts, Biz Community's sound bite-sized news to go, made possible by ACA, Association for Communications and Advertising. I'm your host, Rutendo Nyamuda. Coming up on today's show, Mate Okaba, CEO of the Association for Communications and Advertising, in conversation with Brian Yui, CEO of the Marketing Association of South Africa. No matter what happens, plant side will probably always survive one or the other. You'll always get people coming in to come and run brands. Where the danger is, is on Martin's side. The people who work on the agency side are some of the most unique people you ever come across in your life. Creatives are magicians. You know, the argument can be made some people are born creatives. The danger here is if you lose or if we carry on losing these magicians out of agency side, the people who actually create the magic that you know consumers get to see and experience with their brands, then we've got a huge, huge problem because once that happens, it's very difficult to come back uh, from there. It's time for Biz Takeouts. Matea, I'm going to start with you. Way back at the beginning of 2020, you contributed your forecast for the year to the Biz Trends Report, in which you said, and I quote, what it really does is prove to clients that we are partners and not merely service providers. It's time to strategize, to build brand ad land, give back and drive consumer perception as a consolidated voice around societal issues which affect us all. And it turns out you were spot on. COVID-19 has sped up these things that you have identified. So can you tell us a little bit about your vision for building Brand Adland? I think building Brand Adland, it does not take just us as advertisers and our profession. It takes us collectively to build Brand Adland. And I think for us as advertisers, we see the importance of the relationship between advertising and marketing because without marketing there is no advertising and when we understand that relationship then we are able to make decisions that build this profession protect our profession and enhance our profession and i think through this series on this community that's what we've been trying to do have different kinds of engagements We can't have engagements in isolation. We have to have engagements together. Uh, We can't just us as the advertising industry sit in our little corner and be having these conversations by a lonesome. And that's why Brian and I, I think when we started this, we didn't anticipate the momentum. We didn't anticipate the need. Let me not say we didn't anticipate the need. We saw it, but we didn't really understand that the deeper need for us to have these conversations when our environment is so different. Our environment has, has been turned like this. And literally, we're all not in our comfort zones anymore. You know, we all have been shaken out of that. This is how I do things. This is how I've done things for 50 years and I'm going to keep on doing, in, doing things for the next 20 years. We've had to go back into ourselves and say, what am I capable of as individuals, as businesses, uh, and as brands to say, what are we capable of? And then unearth 
that inner being and implement. And I think for us, access and inclusion have been very, very important for us to moving forward. We need to start including smaller businesses within the advertising industry. And I look to Brian for that because Brian needs to speak to his marketers to say, guys, let's open doors for smaller businesses. And how do we do that? Because I can't do it where I'm sitting as the ACA because I'm a service provider. And, and I'm going to put service provided in inverted commas. But um, a service provider wanting to partner mm-hmm. and wanting to create a, a very symbiotic relationship, a very beneficial relationship, I am pleading, Brian, open the doors for my smaller businesses. Because that's way we, in COVID, that's what we saw. They were the first to crash because they didn't have the support. Brands are saying, oh, you're too small to participate in my piece of the business. And the too small excuse, we can't continue that excuse because how do we build this industry and build this profession if we don't enable previously uh, excluded people into the fold? And so coming to Brian, in May this year, the COVID-19 pandemic had hit a state of disaster and both your organizations pivoted to pull off one of the first virtual industry events of the year, the ACA and Masters Joint Initiative to future-proof the industry ticked off all the boxes, bringing out industry leadership, solidarity within the society, and future-proofing. Brian, can you share with us how this came about and what's happened since, and also what's in the pipeline to come? Uh, thanks, Rutendo, and uh, thanks, Marta. Thanks for the opportunity to sort of uh, have these conversations. Uh, look, for me, it was a very simple thing. I was three weeks into the job when sort of that virtual meeting happened, uh, the coming together. So I won't take any credit um, for the steps leading up to that. That was all Mate and uh, my predecessor, Sechava Misielwa, who was interim CEO of Massa. But, you know, taking names aside, the important thing here is that uh, Massa and the ACA as organizations saw the need uh, to make this happen. And, and thankfully for me, it was a very good uh, sort of introduction to the job and the industry and the people involved. Um, as you can imagine, three weeks into the job, what do I know? Nothing. Um, but then I am very well uh, sort of dyed in the wool, so to speak, as a marketer. Uh, in the philosophy that, you know, for anything to work in commerce industry and more so in the marketing industry, it is a combination of the relationship between ad agency and marketing team uh, within uh, um, a specific entity. So there's no running away from the fact that, you know, some of the most successful work we've ever seen in our industry has been because of very, very strong symbiotic relationships between client side and the agency side. So I come in representing uh, sort of client side, Mate comes in representing uh, agency side. You know, for me, two peas in the same pot, uh, and we should carry on working in that way because there's no power games. There should never be any power games involved here. 
yeah, if you want to make a success of what you're doing as a brand, you better be hand in glove with your agency. Similarly, as agency, if you want to make your web work, uh, you have to be hand in glove with uh, uh, client side. So for me, very simply put, a no-brainer. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, that conversation happened. I'm glad that it's carried on. Uh, I'm glad that you've seen all the conversations, you know, thanks to the ACA and MATE that have happened the last few months. This for me is the beginning. And from a massive perspective, what I see my role as is to ensure that these conversations carry on happening, but we tend to beyond just conversations. We need to see some action. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. So hopefully in the next few months, we, we, we actually do see uh, change. And Matteo, yeah. I want to come back to this concept of brand ad land. It kind of feels like the Rugby World Cup Cup 2020 hashtag stronger together. It's something that we can all get behind and even, you know, wear a t-shirt. <laughs> um, but you also spoke about the industry needing to give back. Do you have any comments on how, on how the industry can give back and how it can continue to consolidate and speak with one voice? We can give back in, in a multitude of ways. And, and I think us as the ACA, we are well positioned to ensure that the young people that are interested in this career are well-versed, are well-prepared, are well-educated. Um, because I know other professions don't think advertisers need to go to school. You just need to know how to draw pictures. And not all of us draw pictures, unfortunately. But what we've done as the ACA, and that's representation of the industry, We've managed to solicit, uh, to educate young, uh, young learners at the AAA school to ensure they are fit and ready to come into the fold. And, and that's by giving bursary opportunities. I mean, with partners like Provantage, we've also given bursaries to students in a few of the advertising institutions where we're giving back. We are continually giving back. And, 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 and I think that is the little way that we can start doing it. But if I could get funding for 300 to 3,000 students per year that I could put into institutions that can be absorbed into our industry, then we are preparing our young people properly for our environment. And you know, parents also, when you say, mom, mom and dad, I'm going to do advertising at the what for how long for three years just to have fun and it's kind of packaged as that thing that you do on a temporary basis but if you look at there are people who are retiring in this industry they started at the age of 18 they are bowing out at the age of 65 and they've had good careers so this is a career. It's not a drive-by kind of mechanism of I'm doing it in the meantime. There are people who are passionate about this career. So, so for us, we need to build and just to let young people know that we've got your back. We've got you, you know. Um, you're not on your own. Mentoring, uh, industry leaders are continually mentoring young people. Um, Agencies are, are continually taking young people for internships. So 
that's a part of the giving back that we do. But I think from a bigger business landscape point of view, and I, I, I don't know if I should call it giving back or I should call it transformation initiatives, that yes, we as the industry, we've got the Mac Charter Code, which it governs our industry and that are the targets for transformation. But there are people who are, there are agencies who are doing more than what is stipulated in the Mac Charter Code, that are doing beyond the Mac Charter Code. So for, for me, as the ACA and as a collective, that's what we expect from our agencies. Mm-hmm. Let's create a new collective of privilege, as in new people who come into the privileged swing of things where they are people of color because we know that the privileged people right now are not people of color, you know? Um, Yes, there are some privileged people of color, but it's a small number of people. Now let's talk seriously. Let's change this thing. Let's, when we look at the population landscape of South Africa, let's superimpose it onto the industry and say, this is what our industry needs to look like. And that's just the challenge for us. Wow. I love what you said about let's create a new collective of privilege. That is indeed very powerful. Brian, coming back to you. So Brand Adland essentially supports hundreds and thousands of jobs, suppliers and SME providers. And organizations such as Masa represent and protect the interests of all the role players. Masa has something called a professional designation structure which accredits marketers from entry level to very experienced people. So how can the industry people benefit from this? And how exactly does it work? Just before I answer your question, to just sort of uh, comment on what Mate said, uh, which in many ways is related to the question you're asking me now. I mean, look, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that the South African marketing industry, especially on the client side, is one of the strongest, not only on the continent, but globally. Um, some of the best marketers you ever come across in quite you know, strong positions in global industry are South African or were trained in South Africa. Uh, speaking for myself, I wasn't really trained in South Africa, but I was part of an, an organization that also had strong roots in, in South Africa. So you know, I joined Unilever as a management trainee in the late 90s. Um, I then had the privilege of working for Unilever Africa, running graduate recruitment programs, you know, bringing in about 100 graduates every year into the system and training them through uh, the process. So there's no doubt that quite a lot has been done to train some of the best cadre of marketers who've gone on to do great things, not only in South Africa, but across the continent and across uh, uh, sort of the world. Can we do more? Absolutely, yes, we can do more. And to Matt's point, you know, transformation is key. Now we can have a long conversation and debate around transformation, but I think one can say in summary, we need from the talking to the doing. And, And quite a lot of our, you know, client side member, whether members of MASA or not, but marketing organizations do have quite a lot of these initiatives that, you know, sort of the, the, they are running within the organizations to ensure that there's a continuous pipeline of young talent that comes in to fill positions 
as time goes by. And within that then comes the transformation conversation, which I suspect is probably something we would want to put aside for another day because that in itself is, is, is a big topic. But one again hopes to see change. To answer your question around MASA and uh, designations, we are privileged as the Marketing Association of South Africa to be the holders of the South African uh, Qualifications Authority National Qualifications Framework designation for the chartered uh, marketer uh, process in South Africa. So that one is broken down into three parts. Entry point is the associate marketer level, which effectively requires an NQF5 uh, for entry, and that is likely targeted at students coming out of uh, uh, tertiary education and coming into the industry. Middle tier is what we call the marketing practitioner stage, which effectively is targeted at NQF7 uh, type mid-career uh, individuals. And the holy grail is the Chartered Marketer South Africa uh, designation. That is well, NQF8 as a starting point, but more so a requirement for quite a lot of senior experience within industry. People who have done things uh, and not only have done things, but are also at that stage in their careers where they want to give back. So that is how it's uh, very simply graduated. Obviously, quite a lot of work that goes into that. Uh, and, and part of what we are doing at MASA over the next few months is to ensure that over and above just the chartered marketer designation, we want to bring in a lot more people into the pipeline, starting from the bottom, uh, associate marketers, marketing practitioners, so that we build, we carry on building uh, sort of these skills that are relevant to be recognized as uh, uh, marketers who have gone through a process of uh, an industry uh, accepted framework that we can all speak to, uh, if you get what I mean, because I think it's very easy to sort of also go off tangent and say, but hey, experience is experience. Yeah, fine and dandy, but you know, like everything else in life, there has to be structure and frameworks to these things. And that effectively is what, you know, uh, MASA, as part of our other work, we do quite a lot of work in that designation space. I just wanted to add uh, maybe um, a heavy cross that Brian and I have to bear. And, and a heavy cross with regards to transformation. I can't be a black female sitting in this organization and Brian be a black male sitting in that organization and we don't see change. We would not have an excuse when we walk out of these positions and things have not changed. Then it would show that we are not passionate about our profession and passionate about our people. That's just what I wanted to add. 100% agree with Mate. Yeah. That is the cross. And the yeah. one it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like in the time that both of you have been within the industry that you can actually say that there has been significant change or how much still needs to be done? Because these are conversations that I do feel we are continuously having and not always knowing what have the changes been. Can someone show us some statistics or some facts or some figures so we know that we're either progressing or regressing? Mm. I'll hand over to Brian. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on the spot, <laughs> Mate. I mean, look, Rutendo, 
I, I think the, the operative word in there is 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 continuous. Yeah. Um, the world is an interesting place. Most of this year, COVID nineteen, all these things happening around the world about around diversity and inclusion, transformation. You know, Black Lives yeah. Matter. Uh, you know, very clearly, when they yet. Yeah. yeah in, in the words of a freedom fighter from many years ago, it's not Uhuru yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and which is why I'm being very careful in saying, you know, that for me is a much bigger conversation. Yeah. And, and it's probably a conversation that we sort of need to take, you know, separately. But within the context of today's uh, discussion, return quite a lot of work to be done. And to Matt's point, we just need to get over the talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to get into the doing. And again, I'm very careful in saying this in that it's not like people have been sitting back and not doing anything. There's been for years and years quite a lot of initiatives yeah, uh, to fill the pipeline with sort of uh, a diversity of people that reflect the demographics of South Africa. Yeah. Those initiatives for me are quite patchy. There's people who do them very well. There's people who don't do them at all. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the people who do them very well do them very well for five years, ten years, then they regress, and then they come back. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the test for me is the result thereof. So if we took a step back and said, okay, hang on, how many CMOs in South Africa are, for argument's sake, black? That's a conversation to be had. Uh, there's some who say, probably enough. The some will say, well, probably doesn't reflect the demographics of the country. So it goes back to the operative world. We cannot have this conversation and end it. We need to continuously have the conversation. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to one thing and one thing only. We need to continuously feed the pipeline. Yeah. And, and I'd just like to add to what Brian is saying is that, and this is not an excuse, change is like making a U-turn with a big airplane. You know, it takes long. It takes so many people to consult. It takes, and some people are uncomfortable with change, you know, and you've got to take, we've got to take them with us. You can't leave the people who are uncomfortable right there at the back because they might be the critical part of the puzzle. And, and, and Brian is quite right. It's not a conversation we can have in two seconds. It's not a conversation that only Brian and I have solutions to the bigger problem. Solutions are within, the, within our professions. And, and, but also we've got to have people who have the heart to, to change. If you don't have the heart to change, you will keep on making an excuse about change. And it, it's continuous. It's not, even I think when Brian and I leave, because I'm not going to be here for 10 years, you know, um, by the time I've, I think I've done what I needed to do, this conversation will still carry on. Mm-hmm. It will still carry on. Because remember, some of us look at transformation through our own lenses. I see transformation from a black female perspective. I don't see it from a gender perspective, gender inclusion perspective, 
from a LGBTQ perspective, from a disability perspective. But if a disabled CEO had to sit here as the ACA, their lens would be that, would be where's the inclusion for disabled people, you know? So transformation has quite a few tentacles. And, and I think we're quick to look at transformation as a black and white thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not a black and white thing. There's multiple things that need to happen within the industry to show inclusion and to create access for all kinds of people within our society. Just a thought that sort of came to me when in the initial conversations before we got into the virtual uh, conference or uh, conversation on the 19th of May with Mate and uh, our other colleagues from both sides of the divide, so to speak. Part of the thing that was going on in my mind at that stage was, was a very simple sort of approach to this whole situation. There's no doubt that no matter what happens, plant side will probably always survive one or the other because within corporates, uh, marketing not being a very sort of qualification required uh, uh, profession, you always get people coming in to come and run brands, you know, do stuff. I mean, we've got accountants, engineers in the profession, very good. We welcome everyone. So I would want to hazard a guess, client side will probably, probably carry on and survive. Where the danger is, is on Martin's side. The people who work on the agency side are some of the most unique people you ever come across in your lives, in our lives, so to speak. Very, I mean, creatives are magicians. You know, the argument can be made, some people are born creatives. Um, and yes, Mate has the big job of ensuring that, you know, again, her pipeline is full and people come in, into play. But the danger here is if you lose or if we carry on losing these magicians out of agency side, the people who actually create the magic that, you know, consumers get to see and experience with their brands, then we've got a huge, huge problem because once that happens, it's very difficult to come back uh, from there. And, you know, I remember that on the basis of sort of the statement we did at the time. And for me, it came out of an experience I had, say, 10, 15 years ago, where I worked in the one country. And when agencies were obliterated, it was almost impossible. To this day, it is impossible to get a very good creative director in certain countries across Africa because people just left the industry. They are gone. They're no longer, there is no longer something. To Matt's earlier point, there's no parent, you know, with their right minds on who would allow their child to say, I'm going to drop pictures at an agency because, well, for all intents and purposes, there's no agencies. They're finished. They're done. Yeah? So we don't want that to happen to the industry in South Africa. So I, I think it behoves us as client side to also ensure that, you know, all these other conversations going on, transformation, inclusion, training, bringing people in, we need to protect the creative side of this industry. I want to ask both of you, because you both come with very interesting perspectives and with such a strong focus on looking at partnerships between both clients and agencies on purpose, diversity, perspectives. Mate, you spoke about the lens, which is really important. Um, if you are not a black female can you give advice and input on the experience of the black female, for example? So I want to find out from both of you, starting with Mateo, do you find 
or rather, do you see yourself playing a greater advisory role in how businesses and the media can partner? Yes, largely. And largely why? Because we are dependent on business for our profession. And as what Brian said, we can get obliterated if there is no business, there is no brands that have a demand for the creative side of our work. If brands stopped advertising, they felt, oh, consumers know about our products, we don't need to advertise. And I hope that world never exists because if that world ever exists, we die. And we need to keep this profession alive because we are the ones that create the conversation within our societies. I mean, you take brands that for time, for you, you take brands like Coca-Cola, Cremora, Coke is it, the, how we, we checkers it is the name of a plastic bag, you know? And that was a brand that was built over time, you know? And that brand, remember, Brian said, I've got this brand. But for as long as I did not draw the pictures for this brand, it never went to market. But when Brian brought it to me and said, Mate, I need to take this to market. And how do I take it to market? Then I give him the beautiful pictures and the beautiful strategy and I take it to market. Then consumers, we then embed the brand in the DNA of our society. And, and I think with that said, we become a, part, a, a big part of the business conversation because your business is not alive if nobody knows about it. If you're a business, you're trying to be, build up a big business and you are sitting as a two-man shop and you've got great assets sitting under your business, but nobody knows about it. You're as good as that two-man garage, you know? But when you want to take it to market, you have to come and speak to me and say, Mate, help me take this brand to market. Who do I want to speak to? I want to speak to females. I want to speak to males. I want to speak to age 16 to 24. You give me, and then I take it to market. Then it becomes part of our societal engagement, integration, DNA of our society. We put brands into the society. Indeed. And Brian, for you, do you see yourself playing a greater advisory role in how businesses and media can partner? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, we can do exactly what we're doing. Uh, and, and, you know, in many ways, like I said, you know, MASA is a voluntary uh, organization. And there's many, you know, organizations like ours. I mean, we pride ourselves in being sort of the lead organization on, on, on the marketing side. And the conversations we have with the ACA, the advertising regulatory body, you know, uh, marketing research foundation, the ecosystem of uh, industry. Their job is exactly that, you know, facilitating conversations, ensuring that the right people are talking, you know, sort of to the right people on all sides. Within that conversations, that conversation, we, we obviously have to accept the fact that life is not constant. You know, change happens. So on my side, for instance, you know, my members would argue, well, it's time the advertising agency transformed itself into something more agile, something that meets our needs. 
uh, something that does you know what we wanted to do within the context of what the market is currently or hang on a minute exactly what is that so we have to paint a picture of what that looks like and then go to the other side have the conversation the point for me redundant still remains we all need each other yeah symbiosis is the name of the game uh, we have to constantly engage in conversation but like i said before it has to be conversation followed by action so the long and short to answer your question everyday job is exactly that playing the role of bringing everyone together and so my final question is also to the both of you this has been a phenomenal series for the last few months for the last three months actually this community and aca has brought together top level industry leaders and some of the topics we've covered include creativity culture representation um, especially for more women and diverse voices to come to the forefront we've spoken about purpose uh, sharing economies, we've looked at issues such as gender-based violence, the Black Lives Matter movement, and the impact of COVID-19. And within the media and communications industries, they certainly hold a lot of power. And so I want to find out your thoughts on, you know, a very famous uh, quote and saying, with great power comes great responsibility. And owning the voices and platforms that one has can certainly influence narratives and steer culture, culture, and it is certainly a privilege. So from that perspective, what are your thoughts on the quote and saying, with great power comes great responsibility, and how exactly can being in these spaces influence the narratives and steer culture? Matea, I'll start with you. It does come with a lot of responsibility. Like I said earlier, Besides the fact that Brian and I are black leaders, you know, we are leaders nonetheless. And leaders for, I'm a leader from my, for my profession. And if at any point in time, I do not realize the impact that needs to happen, in order for my tenure to be relevant. Because I can walk out of here and nobody knows what Mate ever did, you know? But I'm responsible. And, and when I look at myself in the mirror, I, I, I like to say, can I sleep at night and be like a job well done? And if I can't sleep at night and say a job well done, then I haven't done what I needed to do. But when I shift the needle and it moves from where it's sitting and it goes that direction or that direction or that direction, it means I've been the change that I want to see. And the responsibility is huge because I'm accountable. I'm accountable to my board. I'm accountable to um, my profession. I'm accountable to my society, I'm accountable to my community to say, have I created the opportunities that need to be created for young people following me? And have I been a good example in doing that? What does leadership look like going into the future? Because leadership 
is not what it used to be when people will say, oh, they're all on a gravy train, which we know that's still happening. But, (laughs) you know, I don't sit here and want to be a CEO that has done nothing. I want to be a CEO that has impacted change. Well, thank you for that. And Brian, over to you. What are your thoughts on the comment, um, on the quote rather, and do you agree with Matea or what do you have to add as well? 100% agree with Tendo. I mean, look, uh, 100% echo Matea's views from a personal perspective and sort of the responsibility that we all in our various walks of life and sort of the, the roles we currently hold. Uh, I couldn't argue with that. Uh, but more so for me, I think from an industry perspective and the people that sort of Massa represents, the responsibility has always been there. I, I think the important thing is to constantly remind people of that responsibility that the work you're doing now on the brands you work on is not only for today or tomorrow, it's for much longer. And, and as Matteo was speaking, you know, the poster in, you know, sort of in, in our background there, the Milo poster, sort of kept on ringing on me. It looks like a 70s, 80s, uh, uh, you know, Milo poster. I'm sorry to punt a brand, but, you know, I'll use it as an example. If at all, you know, the measurement of, of success was exactly that. The measurement of success is whatever brand you're working on today, 30 years from, 10 years from now, 15, 20, 30 years, what will people say about the brand and what the brand has done for people and people's livelihoods, for people and people's struggles in their everyday lives? What have you done with your brand to change the trajectory of human development? That for me is the question that every brand custodian in South Africa should always ask themselves. In as much as managing brands you know, is commercial. Let's not run away from that. You know, there's shareholders who expect you to deliver a return. Within delivering that return, there is a job to be done, which is about doing right and doing right by the people you sell. It's not about catchphrases. It's not about necessarily clever marketing. It's about the delivery on what the brand promises it can do. And beyond that, actually making a change in people's lives. Um, So I think that's how I would sort of uh, round off that. Because in in my mind, you are responsible every day. Every day you wake up, you come to work on your brands, you have to ensure that your brand does what it promises to do. And that's a wrap on today's show. Biz Takeouts. Take it where you like it, when you like it, how you like it.